Hello, I'm Sarah Connolly and I'm here tonight to talk to Guy Elliott, who's the race controller of the Aviva Women's Tour, which has just finished. This time last week it started. Can you believe that, Guy? Uh, it seems a long time ago and I've lost my voice from... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you where I think I lost it later, but uh, it seems a long time ago already, but I'm uh, in good shape. Excellent. How do you feel this this year's race went? We were uh, ecstatic about it, so uh, sure there's a lot to talk about, but uh, absolutely fantastic. And uh, I think the aggressive racing left us all absolutely spellbound, including many experienced British professional riders, male riders, so uh, we can explore that perhaps. Yeah, I mean, it was, for anyone who didn't know, the Friends Life Women's Tour was last year, that was its first year, this year it's um, the Aviva Women's Tour, it's a five-day stage race, all the riders say it's one of the biggest races of the year, don't they? Uh, they do, and we ha we're hoping to continue to grow it, so we're pleased at the response we got for the first two years, but we're hoping to make it bigger and better. Yeah, now, I've been given a load of questions from Twitter, so I'm going to be popping those in among my questions. And one of the questions someone asked me was, were you worried about having that difficult second album moment? Um, well, I think it's going to be the same every year. You, We started off in the first year and exceeded our expectations. But then you sort of have to start all over again. I've said before, it's a game of jigsaw. Uh, and some town, nearly every town wanted us back, but we wanted to go to new areas as well. So, and you think, well, I, you know, we'll go back to Northamptonshire, for example, but you can't take that for granted until it's all done and dusted and in place. So we were cautious, cautious, but cautiously optimistic. And I think that's the way we should be going forward, but it's on the back of success and we're very happy. Yeah. So, I mean, I was in the car with you for most of the week and to me, the crowds, if anything, looked bigger on the roadside on some of the weekdays what's your impression of the crowds this year to last year? i i it's uh, difficult to say but i felt that they were bigger uh, we get the crowd numbers calculated by the police last year was three hundred and fifty thousand on the road wow. uh in my mind they looked bigger we know that tv audiences will probably be down because we're told now we're at the end of june and also competing actually with the Women's World Cup, which, yeah. which is funny. But they said that, you know, we've been told to be, expect lower audiences at this time of year than in sort of rainy May. Um, I, I'll be interested to see them, but they were good crowds anyway. So I don't think we should get hung up about whether they're, you know, X thousand up on last year or down. Uh, they were good crowds. And I, I think if we worry too much about exact comparisons, then we'll be afraid to go to new areas or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and to be honest, say it's only... 300,000 roadside yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it's only I don't know if it's only 4 million people watching yeah. TV or whatever it is yeah whatever it is that's um I, I mean we know I know we'll we know we'll get good crowds in Oundle and Bury St Edmunds but that shouldn't mean that we're afraid because of that of going somewhere else and taking a risk you know that's yeah, what yeah. I'm thinking I mean and it was still so unprecedented I mean your picture that you put up every now and again you know they told me no one's interested in women's sports yeah I do I do several well there are several from this year have gone up yeah oh it's wonderful isn't it I mean this yeah. is the thing is like even if it was lower it's still like oh, yeah. nothing like this has been done before yeah in fact this week uh the British press published something on the most viewed sports events uh, in, in Britain. I think it was in Britain. And, uh, you know, there was Formula One at Silverstone with sort of 300,000 people there. This isn't TV audience. This is actual spectators. And there was Wimbledon with, I don't know, a quarter of a million. And we thought, well, well, actually, more people go and watch the women's tour than watch Wimbledon or Formula One at Silverstone. So... <laughs> 
And somebody said, well, you can't compare like that. I said, well, why not? Yeah, because yeah. it's been, I know, it's tongue in cheek, but it sort of puts it into scale that more people watched it live than Wimbledon or Silverstone. Yeah. And especially when people told you that actually, you know, Wimbledon was one of the things that people put out there, wasn't it? That people only go and see women's sports when there's men's sport too. Yes, that's what we were told uh, repeatedly, and it's not true. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to be laughing all the way through because I'm just delighted. So I've got some questions. Um, this year you went up against the European Games in Baku. Did that make a difference, do you think, not having the Dutch, you know, so many of the crazy Dutch riders there? Well, we certainly weren't very happy when we found out about it. I mean, what happened was we spent a lot of time talking with our national federation, you know, to the UCI about dates because we couldn't do May because of the general election and also because of the tour of Yorkshire. And we don't want to be too close to that, but it was the general election. So we had, uh, you know, advice and we went for the state and we were very excited about it. It was the week before the nationals, perfect preparation. And we were absolutely gobsmacked when people started to ring us up after we'd been awarded our date and after we'd invited teams to be told about Baku. Um, but luckily it worked out and only, only the Dutch really supported Baku in meaningful terms from the riders that we wanted for, you know, from Western Europe broadly. So it did deplete the Dutch teams um, and one or two other riders, but we were very nervous about it, but it all turned out very well. We got a fantastic field. I think, one of the things you'll have heard me do each day, which I I have to say enjoyed doing, I'd go on the start line and we decided to grid uh, champions so that the crowd could see them. And I, I started out every morning by shouting out, can I have Olympic champions, world champions and national champions <laughs> move forward, please? And we were, <laughs> there was no room for them. <laughs> there was just no room. So it, was it was ridiculous. ridiculous. Didn't you have and then we had Mira Kudoda calling out in Dutch. I'm a double, and I speak Dutch, so <laughs> she said, I'm a double junior world champion. Does that count? And I said, no, I'm afraid it doesn't. We've got too many, and that, that doesn't count, you know. So, and then on, she did such a fabulous breakaway on the first day, on the second day, and called that in Dutch. Okay, Vera, I suppose you can come through to the front. <laughs> so I'm laughing, but it was so funny. We had so many champions, so. Yeah, I mean, 11 national champions. I lost count. I, I did try and count up, like, world champions, and I just gave up yeah. because, you know, what with, yeah. you know, Mel Hoskins. Oh, i got to say Mel Hoskins, world <laughs> – I can't say that laughing – world team pursuit champion. Well, <laughs> I told sprinter, her – Queen of the Mountains. A, well, there was Nettie Edmondson and uh, Melissa Hoskins, I think. We called them up as world champions, and they're quite surprised. And I said to them, actually, you're not that welcome here because you beat the British to, <laughs> to get your world championship jerseys, but we'll let you in anyway. So <laughs> – Oh God, there's so many. What other highlights did you have from this year? Because there were so many moments. Uh, I can give you a handful. I mean, the crowds and the school kids and whatever. Just off the top of my head, Vera Kudoda's breakaway. I think yeah. it was on stage one. I mean, the first 250 kilometres of the race were run at 42 kilometres per hour. I mean, it's, that's 26 miles per hour. And that includes riders rolling away from the start and for the first half hour sort of mucking around. And if you think that so Vera Kudoda rode away from the bunch. I think she was on her own, but pretty much. She was maybe that one German other. girl, wasn't she? That yeah. German girl went first, and then Vera went, yeah. and then once Vera had got there, yeah. that German girl was just hanging on to her. Well, they weren't easy roads, and Kudoda <laughs> was off the front at, over, at an average of over 26 miles an hour. <laughs> and we were in the car, and I said, Mike, we couldn't comprehend it. And then I thought to myself, what if Ellen Van Dyke was with her? You know? <laughs> and, uh, and she... <laughs> 
we couldn't quite grasp the speed. So Kudoda, Vera Kudoda was one of them. Uh, I loved all the breakaways, and we'll come back and talk about how and how. I know they were caught on the line, but it wasn't like the Tour de France where they were clinically caught with the kilometres mm. to go. We can come back at that. We had um, one of the big things is a social agenda. So in Clacton on Sea, we had a young lady with us who had lost as a, uh, she's only about ten, and she's sportswoman of one of the sports women of or sports kids of the year in tendering in Clacton. And she'd lost both her arms and legs to meningitis. And um, Lisa, Lisa Brenner came off the podium and I said, grabbed her. I said, can you spend some time? And she just ig- ignored her post-race warm down and everything and just spent 10 or 15 minutes with this young lady. It was very emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, everything, really. There was too much. Sharon Laws trying to get up. <laughs> we, were, I've got to Sharon- say, we were in the car. We yeah. can't control, we couldn't, we can't interfere with the race, but you, me and Dean were yelling, slow down and let Sharon join you. Well, Sharon Laws was, there were two, with the, I, I do stress the windows were closed, yeah, but there were, two break, there were two breakaway riders and Sharon Laws was trying to get across and the gap was 14 seconds. This was for about eight miles or something. And then 13, <laughs> then 12. And we just thought, look over your shoulder, you know. <laughs> Um, eight seconds then, for ages i know that. so lots of things like that and uh the breakaway on st- uh, the breakaway into uh where it was raining i can't all these places oh, the, the really technical finish yeah and longo borghini got caught with 200 oh. meters to go you know and oh. things like that so it was just a fabulous race but the crowd the crowds and the uh, i love but the overwhelming thing is the feel-good factor of the women's peloton they're such nice people but high quality athletes so yeah. just nice you know yeah, I mean, I think, because, you know, I could t- every now and again I'd take a small child, see a small child, yeah. and I'd take them around and say, hey, do you want me to introduce you to some athletes? Yeah. And people were just so adorable to them, you know. Yeah. Re- and there was this one girl who I saw on Friday who I was chatting to, t- I told her, you know, she's 17-year-old, go and, you know, with her dad, go and find the car park, and told her how to do it. And she's wearing her wiggle kit, and I was going, go and talk to Wiggle. And she's like, oh, I can't, I'm too shy, I'm wearing this jersey. I'm like, no, 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 it's the right choice. And then Marianne Voss saw her and asked her to go right in the we were rolling around with laughter at Mariana Voss, so she couldn't ride. We heard she was injured, so we thought, well, will I, you know, we'll, I wonder if we can get her on TV. So we contacted her and said, would you like to come over and do some TV work? And she said yes. So she turned up. She's absolutely fantastic. I'd met, and when you get to meet Mariana, Mariana Voss, firstly, you can respect her as an athlete. If you spend time with her as a person, she's just absolutely brilliant. And then... She went riding with, with the crowds in the daytime. <laughs> and you said in the car, I've just seen Mariana Voss out on the first Queen of the Mountains. I said, no, 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 Sarah, don't, don't be so stupid. <laughs> and she was, every day she went out riding with the crowds. So it was a sort of surreal experience. Like, can you imagine Contador saying, I can't make the tour, but I'll, what I'll do is I'll turn up and we'll, I'll, I'll go riding with people. And not, so... <laughs> So it just sort of sums up the women's peloton, really. Oh, she was so... I, I watched... Um, on the Saturday night, I watched the TV with Mariana, like the highlights, and she was, like, like hiding her face because it was going into Stephen. And she was saying it was more scary to watch that finish, even knowing that they all got all right, even knowing that Elisa got caught, but it was yeah. to ride. It was a bit technical. But that, just one thing about those breakaways, which we may come back to, they were... We couldn't call them, so there were, yeah. I forget which stages they were, but the one in stage one was caught, I don't know, a kilometre from the line? No, less oh, than a kilometre, wasn't it? Because it was 10 seconds at 1k to yeah, go. 10 so seconds. I think they were caught at 250 on stage yeah. one. 
stage two, I'm just trying to think where stage that was. Stage two was that... a couple of kilometres, wasn't it? Because it, was yeah. it was Vera by herself at that point. Stage three, Northamptonshire, that was into Kettering. Well, you had people... Of, that uh, was the Sharon Laws one, wasn't it? Stage... Yeah. Oh, no, 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 sorry. Stage one was Vera Kurududa. Um Stage two yeah. was the Sharon Laws one. Stage three, they were caught. Um, that was the longest stage, wasn't it? Yeah. And they, I can't remember. I think it was I think it was within the last kilometre again. Yeah. Uh, stage four, the... Uh, state, you know, they were all... That was stage four into Kettering. They were caught into uh, Stevenage. They were caught at 200 metres. <laughs> and stage five, I don't know. They were, But we had professional riders with us in our convoy uh, and the TV commentators, Hugh Porter knows his stuff and Jose Bain. They didn't know. They couldn't call it. So no. it was very different from the clinical Tour de France, you know, 30Ks to go, three minutes, 20K, you know. Yeah. So it was brilliant. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing about that was because some people were using that as, as a reason for it being too easy, and we'll get onto that a bit more. But in Luxembourg, for example, the, the Tour of Elsie Jacobs, they had two stages where the breakaway made it by six seconds and then made it by three yeah. seconds, and yeah. it literally would have been glorious. Super, yeah. super hard racing. I mean, yeah. really, really hard racing. And and although, like you might say, oh well, yeah, they took X many kilometers to get that breakaway going, they were attacking nonstop. I mean, Dean looking out of the back window was continually telling us so many attacks that didn't even make the race radio because there was attack catch attack catch you yeah. know it wasn't oh, yeah. some gentle right oh no no it wasn't at one stage it wasn't reported they were going down a very gradual descent and dean's an ex-professional national champion tour of britain ride and everything he said they're going 70 kilometers an hour and they're chatting <laughs> um anyway, yeah. so uh it was great. There were too many highlights. I think your question was, what were the highlights? Yeah. And um, the next question, low lights. What were the, I mean, obviously, Lizzie's Lizzie. crash was Lizzie's a low crash. light. Just, yeah. And it was such a shame. So it was such an amazing stage. You know, that, that last minute crash, Lizzie winning in this kind of dream come true. Well, it was crashing. more important than that. It was not only Lizzie winning, but it was on a flat bunch sprint. Yeah, yeah. And that told us she was absolutely hyped up for it and going for every second. And I think it would have been very difficult for anyone to come back from that on it would have been, on following stages. It would have been a great race. But if Liz is going to win a bunch sprint on a pancake flat three kilometre straight road, it tells you she's pretty serious about it. Yeah, yeah, out of a bunch. Because, I mean, she can win. She wins out of small groups. Yeah. But, yeah. And she, and she, and she likes more demanding courses. You know, yeah. that's flat. Uh, low lights. Uh, I mean, I think, I think the thing that I think I found hard working on the race was, you know, obviously... You've said before that you, we don't we don't report on people when they crash because of because yeah. until well, we, we know what's happened to, yeah, yeah yeah until what until what's happened just because you know we're thinking I mean there's nothing worse is there I see it in races all the time where people go oh yeah so and so's crashed and then they never say that she's back on her bike or back in the bump you just might hear about her later or you yeah. might not hear about her at yeah. all and that must be terrifying yeah we had we had people coming up to us uh when she was still down saying it's disgusting you shouldn't uh, you know you've been negligent and things like that well it, that was quite hard but you have to just bite your lip you know and, and yeah. wait for the full story to come out just for people who don't know um the finish line you have photographers and it's decided it's defined very specifically by the uci the distance and the photographers are allowed in a very defined area and we actually significantly exceeded those distances, so the, the photographers were much further back. And on the outside of those is Mick Bennett, the race director, and I think he's run, I don't know, 100, somebody said 170 stages or something. And 
we normally laugh at we have a little laugh at Mick because he's brutal with the photographers. Yeah, he stands yeah. on the outside, and we've seen you know one of the tours of tours of Britain. He was seen throwing a photographer over the barrier uh, because he'd stopped stepped outside the line. So we knew we were okay on that. It was just one of those things, really. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, some, some, I think the rumour mill, I mean, it didn't help. I mean, Albra, I think actually it's a blessing in disguise that there's no mobile phone signal in Albra. Yeah. Because I think uh, so I was slightly surprised at how many people were like, you know, staring over the barrier and is he getting medical yeah. treatment? Yeah. So it's, um, you know, in a way that was kind of, it would have been really tricky, no mobile signal at the end of the race. But I think actually that were, you know, that wasn't a bad thing because it meant that the journalists, you know, the journalists were feeding out the news and uh, yeah. Tom. Yeah. Tom, I want to say Tom Carey, is that right? Uh, he's he's a Telegraph correspondent. Yeah, so Tom yeah. Carey was 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 the one who was like feeding out information, but he was doing it in a very measured way. I think they were pretty good. They've got a duty to report, and we we didn't feel that hard done by. And Lizzie was great. She came out of hospital and told everyone uh, I'm out, which was great. Uh, I think she wanted to write the next day, but she uh, but also she just said it helped us a great deal. She said it's one of those things. Look, it's not a blame, you know, and we don't want who care you know it's just one of those things and that was absolutely great and we had by the way we were quite proud of it because you think about women cycling we had two of britain's best trauma doctors working on her so we have will manga who's the uh, he's the trauma doctor for world Superbikes, or you know one of those races and then we had matt rookin gray who does uh, he's a consultant anesthetist but and has worked in air ambulance so we were quite proud that we, we just looked and we knew that she was in good hands and they told us very quickly that she was okay. Yeah, 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 which was so good. I mean, yeah, poor Lizzie. Um, were there any other lowlights or, or maybe frustrations is a better way to put it? Yeah. Um, I honestly, I'm sure I'll, I can't think of any at the moment. Uh, I'm not trying to. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's, no, uh, because it's, I mean, yeah. sometimes there aren't, are there? I mean, one of the questions I was asked is yeah. from a spirit of continual improvement, yeah. you know, what do you think you'd like to improve next year? And I think the person who asked it maybe thought that that would be a hard question, but I kind of assume that that's how you go in sweet spots. You there's know, a lot that you're to You're already do. thinking, how yeah, can we make this we better? Oh, there's loads we can do, you know. And uh, Mick Bennett, the race director, said, our aim is to make it the best race in three years. And we're learning. You know, we learned so much in year one and this year. So, for example, stage five we, we we want close finishes and uh we would have loved those breakaways to stay away you know but we didn't want the breakaways to win by five minutes and be race over but for instance we were convinced that stage five would blow the race apart it blew them men's tour we, we went over the same roads as the men's tour of britain and finished in the same finishing straight and it didn't so that was a surprise to us so it tells us that uh you know we can go for even tougher courses uh and other things like that we experimented with longer stages we put two stages of 140 kilometers back to back i think we might go up to 150 next year we had agreement from the uci we could do that if we wanted so uh, there's a lot we can do to improve yeah i mean i was really impressed because i mean as you say last year i'd never really picked up on the fact that to be in a stage race the uci's ruling is that you have to have an average of 100 kilometers a stage so yeah i felt yeah sorry go on yeah so if your maximum so say for example you have a 125 kilometer stage usually that means that you know the next one's going to be 75 kilometers which is just which makes it you were telling me last year how incredibly hard that makes it once you factor in where your start you know where your start town is where your finish town is not being able to go over um you know over a roads yeah. being able to take out motorways you know areas that don't want you in them <laughs> yeah i mean there's a the, one 
Right, you try and ignore internet comment. Well, it's funny. You any internet comment that's positive, you glow and you bask in the success. And anyone says anything negative, it really irritates you. Oh. And, yeah, well, you almost somebody's... ignore the positives, don't you? Because it's like well, you can yeah. have a hundred really, really positive comments, and then someone yeah, says something right. negative, and it kind of wrangles. Well, last year. Uh, people said to us oh well they were short stages and i thought how can they be the five stages and they had, we had, our total kilometers was 499.9 so <laughs> i couldn't work it you know just couldn't grasp it so yeah. but but what some stage races do is have a short time trial which doesn't work for us and i'll come yeah. back to that so that lowers the average and whatever but we looked and the classic distances the main classics are 140 kilometers so we thought well, we'll put two of those back to back and see how that works uh, yeah but we can go further next year. Uh, I don't think we should be convinced about driving up the kilometres. I think we want a varied race. And I think some of the things that uh, Emma Johansson said to me, which have slightly been misquoted because she was extremely polite and friendly uh, and slightly tongue-in-cheek saying the race was too easy. Uh, but I think we can make it harder and more demanding without just trying to make it slogging around, you know, X kilometres. Yeah. I mean, we'll come back to Emma, but are you recommending, yeah. would you recommend to the UCI that they take off that that upper limit or at least, you know, the 100 kilometre a day or at least increase it? Because well, that yeah. seems really hard and it seems a little bit and it seems a little bit hard for no reason, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. 100 kilometres a day, the way the sport has progressed sounds very low to me on average, Yeah. Uh, especially for stage races with no time trial. I do think you've got to somehow prevent people then saying right we're going to have oh you know marathons every day just mm -hmm. to just prove point i would just, i i don't know but what i would do or what i would say is i'd encourage race organizers to experiment and write to the uci and ask for permission etc and i find them very helpful you know we had tracy gaudry with us and she was very helpful so either way i do think an average of 100k a day is probably too short but but i'm not here i'm not here to tell other organisers what to do. Yeah. So going back to Emma Johansson, because this is a question people have been asking, I thought it was quite interesting that on the last day, there were two articles, one from Rouleur and one from Cycling Tips, that kind of said the race is too easy. And the one on Cycling Tips quoted Emma saying, well, it quoted Emma as saying the race is too easy and um, she didn't want to come back, which you said was, you know, sounded very different in context. That's just not, yeah, that's just not how it happened. Wow. What happened was at the end of the final stage, I went round uh, any team bus I could find to thank them for coming and just have a chat with them. And everyone was very friendly and uh, very positive. Uh, and, I, and I got over to... Uh, Emma's bus and I have to say they were one of the most helpful teams on the race you know Marv Barris and mm. whatever and I, I just glanced at Emma and I said uh, I hope you know hope you had a great trip and I said we had some money on you and with a smile and with a smile back and in a lovely way she said yeah uh, you, you need to make the race harder or I won't be back and it, you know that was it and at other at other team buses, the time trial specialists had said, give me, you know, pleading with me for a time trial, the British team pursuit girls mm. all saying, give me a time trial. But what Emma said had some justification, but it was because that was her opinion. And, uh, and we'll come back and talk about the course for next year. But she said it with it in the friendliest way you could imagine. And it shouldn't be taken out of context. Yeah. I mean, and also, I mean, when a rider, 
I mean, the other thing is, is I'm a really, really big fan of Emma. I don't mean this in a bad way, because like I say, it was taken out of context. But when a rider says, who's just lost the race, or just not won the race, I should say, says, oh, it was too easy, you kind of know that she'd be saying something different if she was in the yellow jersey. Well, yes, but she didn't even say yeah. it like that. You know, when... Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't even... I can understand that, you know, the bitter disappointment of defeat. It wasn't. It was a throw. It was just, a, you know, hey, you need to make it harder for me or something. Because she thrives on a hard course. She's a fantastic athlete. And I think, if I remember, she attacked on one of the Queen of the Mountains and it was too... You know, she didn't get the gap she wanted. I, I may be muddled. So it was a perfectly valid comment. And uh, we can come back to that. And we thought stage five would split it. And uh, actually, we had a bit of a sweepstake in the race convoy at the start of stage five. I said Brenner would win. Uh, most people said Emma would win because they thought the course uh, she'd get away on it. <laughs> See, I said Brenner would win to Ronnie Lauka at the team presentation. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> so I'm kind of, I'm, I've got my smugness for another yeah. year. <laughs> but the message I'd like to leave is she didn't say anything remotely offensive, but, uh, uh, but she said something which has made us uh, think, bearing in mind how this year went, you know, thinking, you know what, we made it harder this year and it was considerably harder. Um, but now we're ready for the next step. Yeah. yeah. I'm so thinking ahead of next year. I've had a lot of questions from Twitter, like, please, can you come to Scotland? Would you think of doing one in London? Would you put in, would you come to Yorkshire? And, you know, you know me, I want you to come to South Wales, Bristol, yeah. <laughs> West Country. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, Firstly, I, I I wonder if it's frustrating it's frustrating for you because obviously you're the only women's stage race in the country, that's the only UCI level stagecoach in the country, and other new races like the Tour de Yorkshire chose you know to put on an eighty kilometer race, yeah. day race rather than put on a women's stage race. So it feels like there's a lot more pressure on you than there would be in, say, for example, the Netherlands, where there's a couple of races, or yeah. Belgium, or France, or, you know, or or even, I mean, Czech Republic's got two UCI-level races, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I don't feel under pressure. I felt slightly defensive when people have said to us on the internet, you haven't even, you call it the Tour of Britain, and you haven't got anywhere around Britain. And we spent the first year or two on press releases saying, this isn't a Tour of Britain, you know. <laughs> and the reason we're not calling it the Tour of Britain is because we can't get around Britain. This is a five-day stage race in the east of, Engl east of England. And then, there's one guy, I won't mention his name, on the internet says, yeah, and they, they should be putting more climbs in. Well, we deliberately chose the race to be in the east of England because we took advice and people said, don't go hilly for the first couple of years. Concentrate on it, you know, and we focus on a, a race for TV with very close finishes and whatever. So we don't feel under pressure. Sometimes I feel a bit defensive when people say, you know, you haven't been to Scotland. Uh, I think what we are going to do is we'll still be east of England, uh, but we'll now start to cre uh, creep the race westwards and northwestwards. And we've said that right from the start. But it also means we have to find people that want us and are prepared to pay and where we tick all of our boxes. Um, a good example would be I could take the race into the central Pennines. We could have incredible stages where riders get five minutes lead. We'd have no crowds. And the race would be sewn up on the first stage that did that. Is that, and what we're trying to do with the women's tour, the Viva women's tour, is change women's cycling. And I, I would ask people to remember that. We're not trying to be arrogant, but we are trying to change it. So we're designing it for TV. So we need to go to towns and we need to go to villages and we need to cover uh, the, the councils that want us, want us to go to as many towns as we can. 
and we need to slot in some sprints and some climbs. We want a close finish, but hopefully one where we can suit several different types of riders, including the Emma Johansons and the Lizzies who need the more, more need or want something more demanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think that's one of the things that Lisa said at the beginning press conference, the end press conference, was that this is a rider, this is a race that anyone could win. You know, this isn't one just for the sprinters, yes. like some of the Dutch, like Energy Water. It's yeah. like, well, actually, which she won. <laughs> yeah. But it's not one, it's not like, a, it's not one for the sprinters or for the climbers. This is legitimately a race where pretty much anyone has got a chance of, yeah. of winning. Well, anyone, you know, of a certain level. And actually, you know, if Vera had got away, for example, she'd yeah. have been in the yellow jersey. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but we have a great route director. He's Andy Hawes, and he's the route director for the Tour of Britain. So he knows every road. And he said, what do you want? And we gave him very strict criteria. We want very close finishes, but we want some hit. And then we said, oh, well, we want some hit, you know, through all these towns. Uh, and we don't want you to go on A roads. We don't want you to go on motorways. And we need, uh, and we want hills, but not too hilly, so it blows the bunch apart. And ideally, we'd like a hill just near the finish. I think, blimey, you know. And he and he, he, he gave us those really. Um, and if we if the breakaways had succeeded by fifteen seconds in each of those stages we mentioned, uh, everyone would be saying, you know, yeah, best things. race so, ever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think there is a legitimate need or desire by us as well to now take the race to the next level. One is longer longer stages, but to have you know, some pre- something pretty tough. Uh, perhaps ideally for us, it would be on the last stage, mm-hmm. so it wouldn't be decided, you know, and, until then. But then something really quite demanding. And, uh, and that's what we'll try and do. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is, is that, you know, a race, Elsie Jacobs is raced on the same circuit every year. Everyone knows it inside out. Nothing changes about yeah. it. And one year it's a bunch sprint. The next year it's a small group. The next year it's a, you know, as it has been, breakaway being caught three seconds yeah. from the finish. So it's also kind of, you've got to, I think that people have to also take into account how teams ride it. And I think yeah. it's testament to the fact that, you know, so that, that this is, that teams really, really wanted this and they weren't taking risks. No, and I've had team managers email me actually privately in, uh, yesterday and today saying, we've heard uh, some people have said your race is too easy. That's not what we think. You should look at our power meters and whatever. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think we should blow this out. It was a throwaway line from Emma who's saying, give me a harder, give me a harder stage or stages. And we absolutely agree with her now. And we'll, you know, we'll try and do that. <laughs> and that's what's so exciting about it is the constant development. I mean, I love... I mean, I know I'm biased because, you know, I'm British. I love women's cycling. I love your race. You let me work on your race. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, um, you know, you, it, it's, it's very, I find it very interesting that, for example, my take is, well, if you want to race in Yorkshire, go and yell at the Tour de Yorkshire, who've got a damn race. <laughs> yes, we were. I, I think it's very unlikely we'll go to Yorkshire. We don't go to, there's a, a great race called the Rutland Classic, which is, or the, which is for, you know, it's a big domestic event or with international riders actually so we don't go into east leicestershire and we wouldn't go to yorkshire now that's pretty you know that's for the tour of yorkshire i think and i think it's in our mutual interest probably not to go there but there's a lot of other places we can go and there's a lot of councils who want us and as i say it's just piecing it together and making it all work so i think teams will have to get used to longer transfers and traveling more distances because so many places want us to go there well this is an interesting thing too because last year when you the reason you put it in the east of england one of the reasons was to make it as tempting as possible for as many teams as possible too wasn't it they could just jump on the ferry and get across from the netherlands it's good airport connections it's good road connections you know in your first year 
it was it was super clever of you because you know if you'd have put it up in much as I want that Lake District stage, you know if you'd have put it up there, then you know our team, you know would teams do that for an untried race? Now I think yeah. they'd probably do that tomorrow for the for the Aviva Women's Tour. <laughs> I think they would now. We went to but, ad- wanted advice, and Rochelle Gilmore was great. She she said, look, it's your first event, and uh, you you need teams haven't got that much money. They want to clip over from uh, the continent, so all of that. And her advice was great, but I think she'd be the first to agree that now we can evolve into something else. Excellent. So, what about? So, a couple of people have asked me, what about a London finish, a London crit finish? Uh, we can go to London. They they would welcome us, but we run the prudential. You know, there's a prudential ride London, uh, Westminster Criterium, which yeah. we run on August the first, or with a delivery partner for us anyway. And we're bringing over some big names for that. Bronzini won it last year. So, bearing that in mind, uh, it's not. And, and we're still at five days, which we'll come back to. So to go into London on a five-day race when we already run a Westminster Criterium directly for women, directly in front of Buckingham Palace, I would say, you know, that tempers our enthusiasm for that at the moment. I also think if you go into London, that's probably great at the end of eight days, but with just five days of racing, pr- probably not. Yeah, yeah. And... um Oh, we talked about ITTs, um, individual time trials, yeah. and obviously um, Sarah's story was, of course she wants one. Of course she would. Of course yeah. she would. <laughs> I'm sure Ellen Van Dyke and Lisa Brunauer want one. Sarah's story spent the whole five days, 50 yards off the back of the bunch, because she, she struggles with the braking system on a bike, I yeah. think, you know. And it's so, also hard for her with her, with her, I mean, I'm, this is, yeah, you don't mean, you know, we don't mean that as an insult no, at all. No, I was about to finish and say, yeah the power you know to ride out of it out of the slipstream for five days and keep it going like that she would do a phenomenal time trial so she she's saying where's the time trial i think and this is something i would like to explain the councils if you take northamptonshire county council they pay a lot of money for us to take the race there and they were they wanted to go to as many areas as possible to demonstrate to school kids you know, how special it is and that you can have role models and all of that. So even though their stage was 140 kilometers, they were trying to get us to take it to other places as well. <laughs> so however attractive you find an individual, oh, and also the razzmatazz of the bunch roaring through, you know, and the motorbikes. And I love, as it happens, I love individual time trials, but that's a separate issue. But to say then that you're going to run a 10 or 15 kilometer time trial, in Northamptonshire and that's what you're getting for your money isn't attractive at the moment for our stakeholder towns so it's unlikely at the moment but we wouldn't rule it out but you have to understand the commercials around it yeah and I just wanted to comment on going to as many places as possible because I mean what I I loved about it last year and I loved about this year but I still think two of my favorite moments were going through Corby which for people who don't know is probably the most deprived place in that county isn't it yeah Um, yes uh, without saying it's unkindly it's a town suffered steelwork closures and things like that yeah yeah and then and also starting in Waltham I mean starting in Aundel was beautiful and gorgeous but starting in Waltham Cross which is yep. a much, you know, which is a very different place. Is yes, that's what I love. I mean, you're not just taking it to these. I mean, you know, beautiful Aundel with beautiful private yep. schools and you know, children in Harry Potter esque uniforms yep. <laughs> milling around, and then you're taking it outside some schools in some really rough areas where uh, deliberately, yeah, deliberately. And I love that. Yep. I mean, is is that challenging? I mean, is it challenging to take 
to, to take it through areas where you know where it's where there's just not as many advantages and stuff or is it just does it just make your heart sing makes my heart sing? makes my heart sing and it's deliberate with the council so uh paul you know the tendering council said said we want you to go through our lovely their clacton the clacton is tendering district council um uh, paul price that you know our, our contact there says i want you to go through our lovely villages and then take you through our less affluent areas because it's a strong message for the kids there that they can be the next hand of arms you know so yeah yeah i mean inspiring people and, and there are people on twitter yeah. who say i never thought i'd see a bike race coming through my estate yes and it is inspiring it's totally inspiring and in fact a key message about the aviva women's tour is it's a it's it's a bike race but it's a lot more than that i i actually think the social agenda is far more inspiring than the actual race but the athletes are, it's a circus traveling around the country with the athletes being the performers and it's just it's got this wonderful social agenda wrapped around it yeah and and the best thing is is also it's like i was walking around with a young kid on the last day finn and i was taking him to meet some you know his his dad was waiting by the finish line took him down to the car park to meet some riders and he was just glowing having yeah. having getting to meet laura trot and that's the other yeah. interesting thing as people talk about as inspiration for girls but it's also changing the way that lad, you know, lads, lads who ride with girls every day in their club don't see yeah. them as any different. You know, I'm sure all the lads from British Cycling who grew up with Hannah Barnes and Lucy Garner don't see them as any different no. know, from, from, from themselves. And that, oh God, that that best of British competition between Lucy and Hannah, yeah, <laughs> wonderful no, best that... young rider competition between them was just to die for. Yeah, the I I think you're right, and they look up to them and think, look how good they are and whatever. I mean, there was a, in the Guardian today, the online Guardian. You can go and see it. There was a lovely article on the women's tour, and then somebody put in under comments, uh, the women need electric bikes, and I had to reply by saying the only electric bike needed in this is for you if you ever go riding with one of the women. <laughs> Did you know that on the Strava, you know the Strava, obviously Strava for people who don't know sponsor the Queen of the Mountains, and last yeah. year a couple of riders were uploading their Strava, and this year as well, and last year ellen van dyke was the fastest person to go over hartford the hill hartford hill the hartford climb um at uh in of the people who uploaded on strava and it's so, still she's still the number one she's still sometimes better. think she has got an electric bike actually <laughs> she's just so powerful but you know like there's still dudes who haven't got their king of the mountains back from last year yeah yeah you know it's it's kind of and that was a really telling thing last year you know the day when mariana voss won 135 Strava King of the Mountains. Oh, right. Yes. One yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Strava, by the way, have just announced women's data and they, there's a massive increase in women using Strava, which suggests a massive interest and increase in women in Britain anyway, uh, you know, increasing what I'd call competitive cycling, not racing, but, you know, yeah. testing yeah, yeah, themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so... Speaking of the sponsors, obviously you had um, Aviva, were, you know, the Aviva group bought Friends yeah. Life last year, so you had yes. them back and you had Strava back. Yeah. Were, you, were you turning down sponsors this year? Or, no, and was no, it we don't, no, we never turn down sponsors, I don't think. Uh, we've turned down people who don't want to pay what we think is a fair price, but no, we, you know, it's tough for any sport to find sponsorship and we're not turning anyone down, really. Yeah. And can I just ask you, I just wanted to make a mention of Matrix Fitness. Yes. Um, as a sponsor because they weren't sponsoring any jerseys this year but they're still yeah. one of your sponsors and they're still one of the you know they sponsor the uh, matrix fitness gp yes. for the tour series that you won yeah i mean what a fantastic them and skoda there's some really good long-term long-committed yes. sponsors in this sport aren't there oh yeah we 
well i don't think we could make it work without skoda uh you know i don't know we had so many cars on the race i could can't even count them really uh matrix are great as well and um they're plowing their money into uh the team to take it up a, a level as we've seen this year so we we get on very well with matrix and pearl azumi and lots of other people lots of other people pearl azumi sponsor the tour series um so some great sponsors Excellent. if anyone has not driven a skoda car i've just got to tell you this it sounds like an advert if you haven't driven a Skoda car, then you go and drive one. You'll end up buying one because we, we all, we've all bought them. Anyone who works on the Tour of Britain has ended up buying a Skoda. I, again, not applied. This is, see, the funny thing I found about the sponsors this year was it was easy to plug Skoda because, you know, I was sat in the back seat of the car going around some really gnarly courses at very high speed and just like as if I was sitting in my office desk. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, the other one was Soarin. I thought Soarin were fantastic, but Lex Albrecht, the Canadian cyclist, going, oh my God, I love these Soarin models. Yeah. I want to take them home to Canada. Yeah, yeah. I saw something about Marmite as well. But yeah. yeah, they're sponsors who you can't. Um, they're almost you almost have sponsors that you don't even need to try. Yeah, <laughs> to promote. Well, I do my best to support Adnams, the beer. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so, some more questions from people. Um, yeah. Do you have any idea about the dates next year? Are you going to be sticking to June? Are you going to go back to yeah. May? We won't go back to May because the tour of Yorkshire has now come in and we want to be separated from that. I know it's a men's event, but it's 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 in UK. It's on television and whatever. And we've got this date in June uh, provisionally booked for next year. Uh, I think the only thing we have to wait and see is if a women's world tour is created. Yeah, uh, that, if anything, that's going to help us. But um, will that open up more dates on the calendar? But provisionally we're talking about roughly the same time in june next year okay and i mean you've sort of answered this but one of my friends has asked would you think about adding in a finishing circuit so say you know like say um some of the races uh the yeah. europeo binder where they have one big yeah. long loop and then they have a finishing circuit with a climb would you think about something like that uh, we would and uh, it's interesting because if you think about uh what emma was saying about a tough circuit and uh, but you, you want something tough that but is manageable we use carefully mountain uh, in south wales and we use the tumble in south mm. wales so they're both demanding uh, places that get full of crowds but are manageable uh, and that's where the race director and andy hawes will come in because once you have a circuit it's t it's difficult because what about the girls that come in 15 minutes down yeah. so you have to allow for that and secondly then you're not going covering the same area yeah. of ground across the county but we certainly wouldn't exclude it oh, don't because just abergavenny i mean i've got a big shout out to um to david james and uh, you know the james family and the whole james family in general for their work around the cyclocross um i i would championships. like i need i need to qualify this this is not what is planned at the moment <laughs> but i would quite like to go to carefully mountain which gets rammed with crowds for the tour of britain and i can tell you they'd come out for, for the women There's, uh the other one uh, the other one is uh, Great Orm in North Wales, which is stunning. You go up this mountain by the sea and the helicopter can fly alongside you. It's a single track road. It's like the Poggio. You're going up this road, up this big mountain, and then it drops into the town below with the castle there. That, that would be quite stunning. But So I think we need to, and I'm not saying they're included, but I think if we go, if we're going to a climb, it needs to be of, it can't be sort of 20 miles in the Lake District with sheep, just sheep standing there. It needs to be 
sort of one of those things like the tumble or like carefully or like, like great Orm, something, something like that, which is a manageable distance, but would still give your Emma's and Liz's the chance to attack and put time yeah. in. Into it. And of course the women in the national championships weren't allowed to go over the tumble last year. So I think there'd be some people who are just, very satisfying was... about you taking them yeah, over I didn't there. Know that. Well, we'll have to go there then, won't we? I mean, that's just, can't, can't. It's just sort of, the, we, <laughs> we couldn't believe how steep the climbs were. I was supposed to go and ride the Northamptonshire stage for a bit of fun before the race. And when we were driving over it, Dean Downing and I, Dean kept saying, this is like a tough men's race at stage three. And stage five, we I don't think we could have got up the climbs and they didn't slow down. So people who say women aren't allowed to do that, well. Well, especially when they can go over the Stelvio and the Mortarola. There's always that Emma, Emma Poo yeah. quote about how she really likes going over the Stelvio and the Mortarola and the other one yeah. on the stage because there's a really nice ice cream shop. <laughs> Actually, to defend the organisers of the national championship for a moment. No, they wanted massive... to go, but they were banned, well, weren't they? Yeah, but there's a massive difference in quality between yes. the domestic yes. peloton and yeah. the international yes. one. So... Uh, I actually have got some sympathy with that. Yeah. You know, if you, yeah. Yeah, no, no, very true. Um, one of the questions we were asked all week was about live TV. And I mean, live TV and also international TV. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts? Well, we're on Eurosport. So we're going to be on, we've been in Australia and worldwide, but uh, we're pretty sure that the uh, one hour highlights summary is going out on Eurosport to all the mainland European countries in a few days time. Uh, live TV is just a straight cost issue. It's phenomenally expensive. And just to explain, we have a helicopter up at the start and finish. I don't know, half an hour at the start and half an hour at the finish. Live TV. So a stage is three hours. Uh, I'm not the technical expert, but you have to have more than one aircraft above you. Uh, and it's just a straight cost issue. How much does it cost for that, if you don't mind me saying, roughly for the well, half an hour of helicopter time? Well, I don't know about helicopter time. I, I mean, can hazard a guess. But for five days of a summary package, you know, you're, you're talking in the range of 100,000 or something like that, you know, very, very broadly. And for live TV, you're talking like 300,000 or something. It's a, it's, yeah. it's a, and don't hold me to those figures, but it's a significant multiplier. And uh, we can't do that at the moment. Yeah, We'd love to. You I know. Mean, it was frustrating me when we were like out on the road and people, I mean, and it's nice. It's great that people were very unhappy that they couldn't, for example, see it in America. But there's not oh, that yeah. much that we can do, is there? I mean, like, 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 literally, that's a case of please ask your local broadcaster to show the highlights. Well, we do show it in America. I mean, we, we sell it worldwide and uh, it's gone. But we do try and get it, these countries to take coverage. And they say, well, nobody's interested in women's sport. Yeah. So, but a lot of it is, it's been shown in Asia. It was on Eurosport in Australia. Uh, but I would say write to the TV channels. Really do it because it does make a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we sort of covered this, but one of my friends, KJ, has asked me, what annoys you most? Like, like you know, what's the little thing? Like, like So not like major things like yeah. crashing, but what's the little thing that the kind of niggles you, even though you know you sh it shouldn't? Uh, internet experts saying, oh, well, I could have found mountains. You know, they didn't go into the mountains. I could, I could have found mountains there. Really? So you could have taken it 140 kilometres round, you know, Northamptonshire, where we were told to go with two sprints and two mountains and finishing, you know, starting Andal and finishing Kettering, and you would have found more hills? Really? Well, come and work for us, you know. Or... Or, or the same people who say, well, they need to do this. Well, that's fantastic. Come and help us raise the sponsorship then. You know, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But that's tiny niggle because we're in the lovely position of having so many compliments that just one or two of those tiny ones, you know, you just ignore them anyway. So, yeah, they're one or two tro internet trolls. And I always just 
think to myself, I wonder how many races you organise, or the ones that attack the girls. You know, somebody came on to Wiggle before Wiggle were doing live questions on Twitter, and somebody said, "What? Why do girls go? Up, why do you go up hills so slowly? Why do girls go up hills so slowly?" And I, I hopped in and said, "We'll go for a ride with Wiggle." <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, when I first started writing about women's cycling, people were always saying, oh, you know, women's cycling is boring. And I'd say, what race are you watching? Because, you know, yeah. I really yeah. struggle to watch it on TV. So I'd love to see what races you're talking about. Yeah. And then they shut up. Yeah. Um, and it's like, and then they go, oh, well, you know, Copenhagen Worlds was boring. It's saying Copenhagen Worlds was a sprint course and the men's race, there was more attacking in the women's race than in the men's race. Yeah. Yeah. Did you think that the men's race with that, you know, group of no-name riders who were reeled in, you know, in the classic style and then Mark Cav yeah. won the sprint? Or maybe he didn't yeah. win the sprint anyway. He you know, did. Oh yeah. You know, was that more exciting than Georgia Bronzini winning a sprint? Hell yeah. no. You know, at least they women. At least women try to get away. Yeah. <laughs> but you asked what niggled me. To be honest, very, very little. Yeah. Uh, uh, and the managers come up every day and thank us. You know, Marv Barris and Ronnie Lauker and. At the yeah. end of each stage, they just came up and say thank you. And uh, Rachel uh, Hill's mum was there at the end of one of the stages. Rachel Hill's the, uh, for people who don't yeah. know, is the United Healthcare DS and manager and right. very, very good person. She's a British per woman who's really done a lot to develop American cycling, you know, cycling in the USA. And, you know, just yeah. Rachel being able to have her mum there. Yeah. Oh, so I know I did see you getting a bit tearful at some time at, at a couple of points. You're not supposed to say that in public. Are you? <laughs> which parts really like which really I mean, apart from the ones we talk, we've talked about already, what really tugged on your heartstrings in a really good way? Uh, Lisa Brenner with the young Ellie May in Clacton. Um, I was very emotional at the finishing Kettering because we'd had the Northamptonshire stage and I thought, well, I've done tours of Britain and they weren't as they weren't as good as that one. The crowds, the climbs, the spectacle. We came into Kettering High Street or whatever it's, you know, it's, perhaps it's not the High Street, wondering if the crowds would be out. <laughs> uh, and the lady who got the women's tour going in Northamptonshire Council, Heather Smith, started to cry. So I, you know. There were, there were, oh. some, there were some happy moments. Oh, yeah. So, Did you see... So normally I only cry when Mick Bennett doesn't get his wallet out for the coffee. <laughs> Did you see Grace jumping up and down and Grace, yelling when Grace Hannah, when Hannah won? Yeah, Grace I think everyone on Sweet Spot will tell you we're very proud of the events we run. Tour of Britain is just fantastic how we've grown that in the tour series and, and some other spectacular stuff. But everyone, I think it's fair to say that everyone feels proud and has a feel-good factor about the women's tour. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was working very closely with um, Pete, Pete Hodges and Grace Metcalf and Jay. They are superheroes. Oh, I've forgotten Jay's surname. I want to say Jay Pearson. Uh, oh jay i'm so sorry she was working okay. for british cycling the press team and they're just wonderful like every right. day they're wonderful but everyone just goes above and beyond and pete hodges and great pete hodges and grace are working typically till two or three in the morning following the stage yeah, and they're yeah. there the next day yeah and I tell you they go along in the together <laughs> singing other <Abba> songs <laughs> <laughs> they're such a good team it's aren't very, they it's very very funny <laughs> Um, what's your favourite kind of cake? That's a question. I mean, apart from saurine malt loaf, of course. Um, well, I've got two because my Dutch background, I'd say Dutch apple habak, which Vera Tudoda and Ira Slappendel can bake for me next time they see me. Okay. Did you lose your voice yelling at riders out of the sunroof <laughs> on the beginning <laughs> of every stage? <laughs> I, <laughs> we were so paranoid about this riders not surrounding us. <laughs> I, 
sort of threatened to throttle them at the start of a, any any stage if they came within 20 meters of my car in the neutralized and so what so what happened they'd line up and always on the front row was danny king and vera kudoda as they're riding along so i shouted at them all the time telling them to keep away from me <laughs> that was quite funny and dean kind of in smirking fun. in, in the mirror <laughs> when i was shouting at vera in dutch and danny king saying i won't let you ride again and all this sort of stuff so it went very well but no i, I think seriously i think i lost my voice because of the air conditioning in the car and hotels for a week yeah 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 and not 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 from <laughs> not no not from shouts um one of the someone asked me on twitter which i didn't know the answer to on the maps where it says ppo yeah what's ppo it's french for me uh, it, it's plus uh, it means passing place obligatory in other words to get into the convoy in the circuit that is where you have to come in oh. so uh, all vehicles have to pass through that point so parking uh, passing you have to pass through that point an oblig obligatory pass point so all the vehicles will come from their hotels etc following red arrows and they'll be brought in through ppo and if they don't it creates chaos Right, right. So, yeah, because, I mean, there is so much. Um, final chat, final final release point or something like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, KJ asked um, the other thing, what is the thing, what are the things that you don't want to happen the most? I mean, obviously crashes. Um, I don't want to get to a finish and find no crowds. Yeah. Or get to the finish and find parked cars in the circuit. Yeah, well, that was it. Uh, people, we had a, in one stage a no parking restriction and... Uh, there were two cars in the finish but actually you know and so you're coming in thinking gosh it's blocked it but actually they weren't and it was sealed off and we pulled police motorbikes ahead and everything so things like that but that's part of the race yeah. oh and also my other favorite guy moment can i just say i hate it when riders crash we feel yeah we feel sick with yeah with grief for them you know yeah i mean it's a very family atmosphere yeah they're our family and when we saw lizzie go down or others there was a rabo girl went down on oh on blue. yeah yeah and you just think oh um so i hate to see riders crashing yeah awful yeah awful um you mentioned the prudential ride uh prudential ride london classic is yeah. it your choice or is it um is it, oh, whose choice is it that the women don't do the um Saturday road race only do we're, we're the we're the delivery partner for that race so we deliver the race so it is not our choice but I but I also have to say I don't know what the answer is going forward generally because on that day so there is a mass participation bike ride for 20,000 people and I think it's going to be 25,000 this year and that runs about 40 minutes ahead of the men's yeah. classic race so it's very difficult to know what to do and you couldn't then have a second day but i would just say when people automatically say there should be a a women's race don't it's just not that easy and i'm pro women yeah. cycling and it comes back to something i said i think when you interviewed me last don't insist the tour de france has something the same day or you know don't but i think it's better to say to organizers we if you're going to organize a big men's race then you should be morally obliged to organize a big women's race i think that's a far more yeah. open agenda and yeah, demand yeah. than it is to say why you know why couldn't you, you do it at the same time because oh, when you look logistic logistically it's often not possible yeah yeah, yeah. and i think i mean for, i've always said for a long time that uh or you know organize a women's race or link with 
yes. an existing women's race. So, you know, there's yeah. some really obvious links, aren't there? So, for yeah. example, the Ronda Van Drenta could link with Amstel Gold, for yeah. example, and they could, and then, you know, they could, they, they yeah. could help promote, they could, well, I mean, they've got a men's race already at Ronda Van Drenta, which doesn't count, but, you know, some of those World Cups, the Trofeo yeah. Binder could link with Milano Sanremo, yeah. or, you know, it, it's yeah. kind of... I, you know, there's lots of different models, aren't they? Like Plouet has right. a whole weekend where the women race on one day and the men race on the next day and the participations happen around them. Yeah. Some of them, like Flanders and Flanders and Flesh. I think the thing is, is Flanders and Flesh are fantastic for spectators because it's same days, you know, same days, similar courses. So you can just see more bike racing. Who doesn't want to see people ride up the murder yeah. wee? doesn't yeah. matter who it is. I would watch grannies. I'd watch Boy Scouts. I'd watch everything. Yeah. But it's terrible for TV because it's never going to be shown. <laughs> Yeah, so I'd be a bit kinder to, you know, the Ride London people because people say it's outrageous. Well, 25,000 people are going to ride basically the Olympic road race course mm. and you're going to have a world men's classic. Well, if you want a women's race, it's not going to work. Yeah, so, I just wish it wasn't called the Olympic Legacy event. I think if it wasn't the Olympic Legacy, I'd, yeah. I'd, 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 I'd feel different. That. But yeah, um, uh, do you have any questions for me? Do you have anything else you want to talk about? Uh, I think one of the things I want to talk about is people say, are you going to make the race longer? Because mm. they, they say, so if it was nine days, this would be the, the race that stood out, you know, mm. but when we've spoken to people, very well-informed team managers, they've said, don't get hung up about making this a longer race because often that will just be an extra four days and legs get tired and the quality of racing goes down. And I said, yeah, but we've got to be like the Giro del Doni. And they said, no, carve your own niche perhaps make this some have said not many actually but make the stages harder or longer or do this or that but don't get hung up about it being longer which is quite interesting mm. would you think of going up to six days for example yes yes definitely we can't on the calendar that's that's the frustration yeah. Yeah. you said frustrates you the uci calendar we can't get any dates well it's interesting but isn't it because in the olden days like and when i say the olden days i mean like five six years ago <laughs> Like you yeah. know, 2008, uh, 2008, for example, you often had a couple of races on at the same weekend. So, you had, so when Giro Trentino was a hilly state, a hilly race, it had Giro Trentino for the climbers and Rabostair, Zoysa Island, and for the sprinters. And I like that. You know, I think that there's yeah. room for weekends and weeks with two races on at the same time. You know, I yeah. love that. Tour de Bretagne happens at the same time as the Giro because the top teams are at the Giro, but there's then a chance to go and for development teams to go and race things that aren't just won by yeah. Rabo and Bowles and Velocio and Wiggle. Do you know what I mean? It does give people the no, chance. No, I to think be we seen. should have two. We should have two calendars. I think there should be something for the super elites. Let's call yeah, it yeah. World Tour, and then the development teams coming through. And I think I'm very clear that we would have make the numbers up but you, you invite the top 15 super elite teams and you have five wild cards or something to give to the next ones coming through at random uh and i think that would free up dates it's, it's the, the calendar needs to be sorted at the moment so we yeah, can't yeah. go to six days we probably you know i think six or seven days is a realistic objective i don't think you'll see us going to 10 just trying to be the longest yeah yeah but it's nice it's nice to be in this slot isn't it because pre everyone comes in like really good form because yes. it's pre-national championships, pre-Giro, yeah. and they've just ridden the first. And this is so I divide, you know, I divide the season roughly into spring classic, summer stage races, and then worlds build up, pre-worlds build yeah. up. And this is like, you know, they've just ridden. Some of them have just come back from America, which was interesting. Some of them have just come back from Spain in a stage race. Some of them, well, Lisa Brunauer and Yodin Dora had just ridden a day race, and yes. you might argue that that's best prep. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, were you disappointed in any? I mean, the only big team that didn't come was high tech, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Someone asked me, were you disappointed in high tech, and also were you disappointed in no team GB? I was disappointed with high tech, but not angry with them. You know, I was a little surprised uh, because they're quite near us. But then I saw they were going off all around the world, so they had yeah. probably had an agenda for that, and maybe it was to do with sponsors. <laughs> but uh, so I was a little disappointed because then we could have said the top twelve teams in the world, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but but no, by no means angry with them. T, I'm glad you've raised the Team GB issue. Just. I can explain some of that. My priority is to get as many British riders in the race as I can mm. who legitimately deserve to be there. Yeah. And that's very important because it's a 2.1 on the calendar. We've got a field of 96 and we turned away 30 teams this year, 20 or 30. So I have to be very clear that if I am going to have British riders, they deserve to be there on merit, you know, with a little bit of leeway because it's our own race. And we... Uh, we were very happy with Matrix last year. We, we also, uh, and we looked at the star British riders, you know, Laura Trott, Danny King, Joanna Rousel. We wanted Sarah Story. Katie uh, Archibald. Uh, uh, yeah, and whatever. So we looked at that and we could have invited Matrix and we could have invited uh, a Team GB team. Mm -hmm. And that would have, cons a lot of those Team G GB riders would have been Pearl Azumi riders. So, as I said, Rousel, Archibald, and one or two others. Sorry. Sorry, Sarah Story, you know. And then we thought, we tried to support the sponsors. We think, well, why will people invest in sponsoring a women's cycling team if the best riders are just going to be poached yeah, for the big yeah. races? And, and Pearl Azumi wanted to get in last year. So we went for Matrix. We went for Pearl Azumi based on knowing that Lizzie would get a ride, that, uh, you know... Lucy Garner, Hannah Barnes, Lucy Garner, Hannah Barnes, Sharon, all of that. And we got 17 riders in. Um, and we discussed this with British Cycling, uh, and they would have put a team in, but it would have been the riders who broadly with Pearl Azumi. So we were pleased and proud that we'd worked with them in a way to get 17 riders in. Immediately, then people said, it's, you know, some, a very small minority said, it's right, you know, you should have had a Great Britain team, or whatever. Don't want to be demeaning to anyone now, but who wasn't there that should have been there yeah yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. not not i can't think of one i'm sure one will ring me up afterwards and say what about me but uh, broadly emily, emily k i guess emily k is the yeah. person who i think of off the top of my head and well hannah walker was there anyway wasn't she yeah. in a different in a different um hat but this was full on uh, yeah i accept emily k and but whatever but brought yeah and we yeah. couldn't we couldn't then say Pearl Azumi, GB and Matrix. We'd have had 25 British riders, or I don't know, 24 in a field of 96. And we'd have had to say, the, and turning away good overseas teams, you know. Yeah. So I think we made the right decision. And, and that decision was made with us discussing with British Cycling in a very cooperative and supportive way with British Cycling saying they wanted to support us as a race. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, the other thing about it is that, oh, I've, sorry, I've just, just vaguely lost my train of thought. Sorry about that. I, I think the other thing about it is we should be encouraging women to get rides in pro teams. Do you know what I mean? I mean, any one of those pro teams who's looking at what, how British riders did in this race, uh, you had Lucy Garner on the podium, you had her in the best young rider, best uh, 
best of British ride at Jersey. You had Hannah Barnes winning a stage. Yeah. <laughs> had Lizzie winning a stage. And by the way, we also thought that GB would be sending a team to Baku, uh, mm. and we thought that would be the younger ride. You know, your Emily Kays and whatever. They're the riders that are normally sent to Europeans. And in the end, they didn't for whatever reason. But that also figured in our thoughts. Yeah. No, I think it's a nice balance. I like it. And I think, you know, it's. I'd rather see the best riders in the world there. Do you know what I mean? It, Yes, I mean, we have to. Uh, it's 96 riders, and as I say, we turned away so many good teams that we ca- you can't you can't then go to the UCI and say, I've got 30 British, 25, 30 British riders. You know, you have a responsibility as a 2.1 event to act with integrity in selecting your field, and we're trying to do that. Yeah, and yeah. we do see some races where they do kind of over... They take a lot of riders from that country, you know, the country that yeah. they're in, and it and it's and those are riders who's never going to be at the front of the race. They're never going to show, you know. Yeah. But we had Ellie. Oh, that was it. Stage one. We had Eleanor Barker and Katie Archibald out in that break. Yeah. yeah yes, they were caught. But imagine if Ellie had been on the podium. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Lovely. <laughs> but you know, yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time. Is there any last anything else you want to say? I would ask your listeners to challenge the publications that didn't support us before the race, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, yeah, there were some, there were some um, major publications, just taking publications that were notable in their absence from the press room, weren't there? <laughs> well, they say, some of those say, oh, well, nobody's interested, and I would write to them and tell them that you are. <laughs> and if you want to see a race in, for example, Yorkshire, Right, you know, right to that, right to the right, team yeah, right to Yorkshire. Don't blame, yeah, yeah, don't have a go at sweet spot. Yeah, if you want to go to see a race in Scotland, write to um, write to Scottish Cycling and say, yeah. Hey, how can we help you get a race in Scotland? Or how can we help you convince Sweet Spot to bring the tour here or whatever? <laughs> Excellent. Well, good luck. Okay, lovely. I'll talk, to you, I'll talk to you later on in the year when you tell me all the secrets about the 2016 race. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Take care. Bye.